Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time for Batter Up, the definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with host Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson, giving you exclusive insight into our Braves from Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Joe and Caleb. Welcome into Batter Up, the week of Monday, March 29th. Joe Patrick in in with me, excuse me, Caleb Johnson here for well, as we're just two days away from Braves baseball. Joe, are you are you ready for some baseball that counts? What a weekend it's been, Caleb. I mean, this was this weekend. These roster moves that came down, which we're going to talk about in the show today, were unexpected. Uh, I think to say the least. At least on my end, I was not expecting some of these moves. Um, some of them are going to be controversial. I think. I think fans will. Uh, take issue with some things. And I know there's the old meritocracy that in baseball or lack thereof that people take issue with, which I think is definitely coming into play here um, with in terms of the Braves having to deal around these options and things like that. But yeah, I'm getting way too into it. All that to say, it's been actually uh, a pretty newsworthy weekend, which we all knew was coming, of course, ahead of opening day, but a lot to talk about today. Well, you say you knew that it was coming. I think I had been operating on the basis of things were going to continue much like they had all off season where this, and and I don't know if you would agree with me, Joe, this has been like the most boring off season for the Braves in recent history. Very much so. I mean, even going back to free agency was terrible um, because the Braves did some, a lot of their business. They did it early in, in that free agency period, signing through Smiley and Charlie Morton pretty much before any team and even made a move. And then we had that long period. And I don't know about you, but this spring training to me has just felt off. Like, um, <laughs> I hope my bosses aren't listening to this, but like, <laughs> you know, I've honestly watched less spring training this year, uh, Braves spring training than I've watched um, probably any other year where I feel like other years I'm, I'm, it's like more available. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but I don't know if it's maybe just my interests or whatever have changed, but um, I'm really looking forward to honestly Thursday, just seeing this team. Cause I feel like I've hardly seen this team through this spring. And I think, yeah, it's just been like a weird, uh, lack of date, not, not lack of days, but that's not the right word, but it's just been an, a, a weird feeling this spring. No, I completely agree. I think you, you talk about, look, and we've bounced it around here on batter up before 
the fact that, yes, the games this spring are so difficult to be able to watch. And then I think there's an added layer to watching Braves baseball this spring when they are on Fox Sports or what is about to become Bali Sports. Uh, when they are on there, it's usually the opposing team's broadcast. And I just get so annoyed <laughs> with having to listen to how another team's broadcast who isn't familiar with the team and is still basing generalizations and, and making comments based on honestly information. That's like two years old now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, it gets so tiresome when I can actually catch a game that it makes me want to watch less. Like it turns, it turns into Sunday afternoon golf. Where I'm just like, uh, I'm going to fall asleep to this. I can't, <laughs> I can't focus. Yeah. So I am with you that I'm, I'm ready to be able to watch them for one, which it's still not, not easy to do. Still going to have to use the, the parents login, you know, to be able to watch on AT&T TV. However, it's nice that like, like I keep saying that these count and we can, we can take something substantial away from what we're seeing rather exactly. than where we come into the season making assumptions and we can honestly jump right into some of the decisions that have been made over the past 72 hours where Bryce Wilson gets sent down to Gwinnett, Johan Camargo gets sent down to Gwinnett and William Contreras goes and follows along. The other two that will likely surprise some people are one of the big free agent signings, or I say big in quotation marks, free agent signings of the offseason was Jake Lamb, you know, bringing him in from Arizona and then bringing in a veteran guy like Jason Kipnis. And neither of those guys are on the team now. Yeah, I, I didn't realize how bad it had gotten with Jake Lamb. I was just reading Mark Bowman's article today, just kind of recapping all the, these roster moves. Jake Lamb struck out 32% of his plate appearances this spring. That is that is how you get cut when yeah. you signed a major league deal uh, coming into spring training. I mean, that is just unsustainable. You can't carry that into the regular season. Um, I was, you know, it was surprising to me when the news came down that they were going with a four man bench, at least to start the season. I don't expect it to stay with four at four for very long. Um, but then like, when you think about it, it makes sense because of what I just said with Jake lamb and Johan Camargo clearly hasn't done anything to make you think that his bat is going to be helpful really at all. So the moves make sense. And I think the Braves have just essentially done what they can to fill these spots. But clearly, I mean, something that we talked about, we did the the Braves preview show yesterday on 99, which should be appearing at some point on the website uh, if it's not already, um, which is that this, they will have to address this at some point. Rel I think relatively soon. They need to do it soon because this bench is going to be very important in a season when you don't have the DH and you're going to be using these guys more often than you did last year. I mean, maybe you could get by with this bench last year, um, when you're just kind of using the same guys and you're not having to make those adjustments in game, but those positions are going to be even more important this year and they really need to, to be addressed right now. I think Pablo Sandoval is like the best <laughs> option you have to come in as a pinch hitter. I mean, he, he, thankfully for the Braves, he's actually, he's kind of like on a hot streak. I think he's the, got the leading batting average on the team this spring. Um, and he can put the bat on the ball, which you always want from a pinch hitter. But other than that, 
Ender Inciarte, Harry Adrianza. I mean, he's been honestly, he's been he's been hitting the ball great this spring, but you know, you can't expect that to really continue. And Alex Jackson, who we all know has contact issues. So um it's just a it's just a kind of a crazy, crazy roster construction. But then again, you kind of understand why they're in this plight when you just think about it on an individual level. Yeah, Joe, you alluded to us doing the pre the Braves preview show yesterday, which was so much fun just being able to hang out with you and Andy. In person. Yeah. And well, and, and having Andy just around Andy bunker makes everything so much easier. I think we were talking about this after we did the show where it was just, everything flows so easily, you know, it just, I don't know. It, it's so much fun to just have a show like that, where it's like hanging out with the boys and, mm-hmm. and, and, and talking Braves baseball, but obviously making it substantial and what we talked about then was the fact that this Braves bench to start the season has absolutely no power. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, I forget the stat that Andy Andy was tallying up. Like they have something like two home runs uh, yeah. from all of last season. I was about to say, I, I thought it was the last two seasons. Or maybe it's the last but, two seasons, yeah. Yeah, well, counting the mini, mini season of 2020 plus 2019, None of these guys have pop. When you when you talk about Pablo Sandoval, who was a guy who how he made it as a San Francisco Giant and later got a big contract from the Boston Red Sox was the fact that, you know, he had pop and and he was big, strong guy. Well, he's later in his career now and, and kind of he's, a slap hitter type. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's making contact and, and he obviously made decent contact the spring which is how he ends up as a bench spot. Then you turn to Adrianza, who you're not looking to get power from a guy like him. You're looking for him to be uh, a backup, whether at second or at short, you know, a, a utility guy, mm-hmm. much like you were wanting from Johan Camargo, but you didn't get enough from Camargo to make him part of this team. Then were you going to get power from Ender Enciarte? <laughs> absolutely not nope. uh you know the guy the guy is filling a fourth roster bench spot because as andy said yesterday he's getting paid nine million dollars a year uh or four this year and then you turned to alex jackson who only made the roster because he's not as good as william Contreras. like that's uh, if we're totally honest with ourselves the only way that he made the roster was because He's not as talented as Contreras, who they apparently want. I I had talked to myself into Contreras is going to be a part of this team. You because, convinced me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the the with minor league season not starting till May, and then being able to sit on the bench next to Travis Darno and have those conversations and get a little bit of playing time, I thought was going to be enough that they say that they said, let's make this move. However, they were like, no. Let's go with the less talented guy who is a better uh, defensive catcher. That that mm-hmm. is, and, and and Snit alluded to this in some post game press conferences where he's like, "Yeah, I think Contreras needs to work on his, you know, his work behind the plate, uh, which is which is fine." However, he's going now to play against his own teammates in the. The, what the alternate right, training all, I site. guess we're still calling it an alternate site until, yeah I, 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 feel don't, like, I don't even know what the technical well, term is for it now major league baseball I feel like has not given us the official stamp of like this is what we're calling things <laughs> yeah but also I mean they're still 
not willing to come out and say that we're not going to have the designated hitter. And we all know that that's not going to happen. So it's just, yeah, with all of these things going on, having a, a Pablo Sandoval and uh, how do you pronounce Adrianza's first name? I think it's like a, a eerie. Like, I don't think that a you eerie. actually okay. pronounce the H. I mean, don't okay. take my word for it, but it's no. something like that. It's like yeah, a eerie. Okay, because it's one of those things. I know at some point there's going to be a or sports A-R-A flash. Or something. That, yeah. yeah, there's going <laughs> the, to be a sports, sports flash that you or I have to do, and I and I loathe mispronouncing people's names. I, yeah. I like getting their names right. But yep. between Sandoval, Adrianza, Alex Jackson, Ender Enciarte, this is a bench made up of guys who really made the roster – for either defense or just because they can put the ball in play. There is no one who's coming up in the eighth or ninth inning pinch hitting for the pitcher because, oh, yes, we have that going on this year again. Honestly, I would, I feel like I would take William Contreras as a hitter over yeah. probably any of these guys except for Sandoval. Like Sandoval would still be my first pinch hitter off the bench, but then it would probably be Contreras. And the whole minor league season being pushed back really throws a big wrinkle into this. And it, and I really don't understand fully like what the Braves thinking was in making some of these moves with respect to that minor league season, because to your point, it's not like you're having William Contreras go down and, you know, be catching in competitive games and playing actual baseball games every day. In the meantime, he's not going to be doing that. He's going to be playing maybe some simulated games or, you know, whatever they do at that training site. But, um, you know, and, and same goes with a guy like Bryce Wilson, who who was optioned down there, who, you know, we would normally think would be getting this start, but instead they've got this off day. So they're able to throw this bullpen game. And, you know, maybe that's just to try to, you know, I think what they're doing is they're trying to preserve some depth by putting these guys who don't have any options, just keeping them on the opening day roster. That's like guys like Grant Dayton, Luke Jackson, and just trying to get as much out of them as you can before, you know, you, you, you pivot kind of to a new strategy. Um, I, I would be shocked if either Grand Dayton or Luke Jackson ends the season as an Atlanta Brave. If either one does, I think that that's good news. It probably means that they've just not done anything to that would make the Braves want to part with them. But yeah, the, the whole minor league, the minor league situation I feel like complicates all of this in a way that we can't even like, we only have, we can only speculate about like why they're doing these things because we don't know the full story of what's going on on those sites, what their plans are for these players uh, at these training sites. So it's all, it's all kind of shrouded in a bit of mystery. I feel like at the moment. Yeah. I was about to say smoke and mirrors is the mm-hmm. kind of the classic trope that I think of when it comes to these things, where if these guys were playing in minor league in, in the minor league system and things were going normally, there were they would be eyeballs on them. There's there is a fan, there is a journalist who's going to be sitting in a press box in Gwinnett in Mississippi, wherever it might be, traveling around to follow these guys to see how well they're doing. And now you can't do that. You're gonna have to take the word of I, I think this happened with Dave O'Brien when he was trying to get some information on Mike Soroka when he was like an MLB official who was standing by the gate <laughs> yeah. you know, who was who was looking through binoculars you know clear, it seemed like at least one of those bizarre tickets for that tree you know, ever yeah seen, uh, angels in the outfield <laughs> <laughs> great reference Where, but it's this odd moment of of you don't know what information to take away from and it also i think in that respect makes it more difficult for a team who's looking to trade 
for any mm-hmm. of the players who might be in the alternate training site, which was an issue that we saw in 2020, where you had to take scouting information from the team itself to really know what was going on with guys. And, and, and so to joy to Joe, to your point of some of these guys, it's, it appears at least because otherwise it makes no sense. Why Grant Dayton, Luke Jackson make this roster and a guy like Bryce Wilson doesn't, and they decide to, they're going to go through the rotation first time around until they get to the fifth hole. And then Max Reed will start again because of days off because that the second game of the season, our second day of the season is an off day. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have this bullpen game. Uh, the bullpen game will actually take place between Max Fried's second start and uh, who would it be? Charlie Morton's second start. That's when the game will be, yes. correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, but for that to have, for them to go with this decision that, hey, we're going to use, you know, uh, an opener for them to make that move to preserve a Grant Dayton or a Luke, or Luke Jackson is one of those, if he's not good enough, now or if he's not good enough in a week and a half from now when you're going to to designate him for assignment because you're going to move up another guy he's not good enough now like i just why put him on the opening day roster i don't get it here's my question you know so they're going to go with this bullpen game that will reportedly i mean it seems like the consensus is that waskar yanoa is going to start that game um, why not just have Bryce Wilson in, in this opening day roster instead of Oscar Yanoa? And like, why why not just it, it, like what's the difference? I, I'm not sure exactly what the play is here. Like, I, I, it seems like it's what's the phrase uh, too cute by half or something like that. I don't know. I, I, it'll be see that it'll be interesting to see if this actually works out for the Braves or not. But it just really feel I just feel for Bryce Wilson because I feel like he just got screwed. <laughs> Out of, yeah. you know in the long term he'll get over it but it's like it's an honor to you know it's 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 a it means something for these guys i think to be on the opening day roster from day one he's not going to get that opportunity well and to that to you know to that it's the idea that like bryce wilson had a good spring yeah i know like, oh yeah he pitched his way onto this team for sure yeah and so i look i talked about this before and this idea of bryce wilson was a guy who i think got better when he got around Ian Anderson, because Ian Anderson looked so great right out of the gate for the Braves last year that Bryce Wilson being around him. And I think just have, I don't know, maybe it was conversations or just watching Ian Anderson pitch. Who's a guy who's just as young as he is in this Braves organization, watching him pitch well and have the confidence to go out there. I think Bryce Wilson's whole issue was a lack of confidence. And then we saw that in the postseason, mm-hmm. and he looked really good. And then he's had a solid spring. I, I do think he's earned the right to be on this opening day roster. So not having him there is a is messing with his confidence, I think. And I think it's a terrible idea because I think it could be detrimental to what you see from Bryce Wilson later on in the season if you do because then there's this whole thing that you, Joe, brought into the show that we did yesterday, which is are we playing all of these games so that we can get Mike Soroka back in the second time through the rotation? I I was just going to bring him up because he is the guy who is kind of linked to Bryce Wilson in this way because, of course, Bryce Wilson is making the roster or he was you know competing for this starting rotation spot that is Mike Soroka's spot 
And yes. Mike Soroka obviously is on his way back from an Achilles injury. He is scheduled, according to Brian Snicker, to pitch tomorrow against the Red Sox. Um, don't know how long he'll be out there, but it will be interesting to see if he comes up during a bat. I don't know if he'll bat during that game. I don't even know if they'll have uh, a DH in there or not against the Red Sox. But um, we'll be interesting to see what he does, what he looks like. It'll be kind of our first glimpse at him. Apparently, by all reports, he's pitched in a few simulated games now and is looking good, you know, running off the mound, doing all those kinds of things. Brian Snicker said that the last step for him and the one thing that he hasn't done is you know step in the batter's box and able and it's so funny how brian snicker just says like just defend yourself if if, just (laughs) defend yourself in the batter's box like be able to move out of the way of of a of a pitch inside or something like that i've joked that he needs to be like henry roland garner and when he comes in and rookie of the year who just like stands in the very back corner of the batter's box and just watches the pitches come in Seriously, I wonder, like, in, in Major League Baseball, if it will ever... Well, I guess they won't get to this point because they're going to get rid of the DH, thank God. But, like, just, like, concede the well, out. We just be like, Well, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I wish you could just, like, concede the out. Because, like, what, what, if, if Mike Sroka's going up there and literally standing in the back corner of the batter's box, what if the other team was like, we'll intentionally walk him just to... Like just to see what happens. Um, Anyway, it'll be interesting to see how he looks tomorrow because again, he has been linked. And then something we were talking about on the show yesterday is that the reporting around Soroka has been that, you know, the, I think the initial timetable people were saying the beginning of May, you know, miss a month you miss April, you come back in May. And now you just see the timeframe being phrased as, you know, middle of April, mid, late April. Um, and that's what's kind of got me wondering if they do think that the middle of April is a possibility for him to come back. And on the current schedule, Bryce Wilson's first start, I think, would be April 13th. I think that would be when his his uh, rotation slot comes up. So would he pitch in that one time and then or two times and then get, make way for Soroka? I don't know. What, what are your what are your thoughts on Soroka? I see whenever it comes to a guy who's dealing with an injury, I am always always on the side of be cautious take the adequate amount of time that you need to heal now is that always the the best route maybe not because you know it's one of those it's it's so difficult to speculate on a guy when i don't myself know what he's what he's going through in physical therapy and training and how strong his Achilles is back from this injury because it is an Achilles injury. I get, I guess, extra concerned um, based on, it seems like that's something that could rupture again, if you're not careful with it. And we've seen basketball player, Kevin Durant, who had this exact thing happen. He rushed back for golden state to come back in the playoffs. And then, you know, tears it again and is down for a year and a half at that point. Now, granted, we and we've we Joe, you and I have talked about this. Mike Soroka is not a basketball player. He's not <laughs> right. having. Yeah, he's not having to jump on it a ton. It's just one of those. I don't know. It's something in the back of my head that I sure. go, ah, I'd rather just kind of wait on him. But in the same respect. If he knows his limits and if he knows you know, what he can't do and where he's not comfortable planting his foot or a speed that he's not comfortable running in which as a pitcher, thankfully he's not having to do a whole lot of running, uh, whether, you know, 
whether or not it's just to like cover first or something like that. And I, and, and I don't know how you feel about this, Joe, but I, I guess because he is a pitcher, I am more willing to see him come back early or when he feels he's ready based on if he gets beat running out a, a play at first, I don't think we'll put that on the Achilles. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think we would just kind of brush that off as like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. He's, yeah, not capable of that right now. Yeah. Yeah, but if it, you know, if his push off or uh, or what is this? His, is this his right leg? I don't even remember. I I'm, think it I'm is trying... his. I, w- I don't, you know, I don't even know. That's what I was trying to say. Push off or plant foot. I can't remember. But whichever it is, if there was some kind of, I don't know, inkling amongst that part of his mechanics where it was like, ah, it's, right. it's still not feeling quite right. Then I'm like, absolutely of not. Of course, 100%. However, yeah. But if that is feeling fine and it's just like, and eh, not sure how far we can push it, then then sure. Let, let's see him. April 13th seems so early. I had my mind set on on may yeah but if also if you're not going to mess around with with bryce wilson because i mean that's another thing bring bryce wilson up for a game and if he pitches well then you send him right back down like oh right then 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 we're really just messing with with guys here and so i there's just there's a lot of decisions that the braves have made and still have yet to make that um that have brought i would say some true excitement and and debate to the season whereas before it was kind of like yeah things are how they are you know it's kind of funny to think about that we're debating whether Soroka should come back in mid-April or mid-April or you know early May mid-May that kind of thing when he got hurt I think August 3rd was the date that he tore his Achilles and we were like at that point it was like man is he even going to be able to pitch at all next year for a year (laughs) and now it's like it's yeah I remember us talking about when the when his injury happened it was like maybe by the postseason of yeah. 2021 <laughs> yeah so it does feel like we're kind of uh yeah we're debating this although we should be very for- feeling very fortunate no matter kind of when he returns the interesting thing and i'm going to kind of go over this again i know we've talked about this on the show but i think it's worth pointing out just kind of going over it again what he how he's described his injury which is that the the achilles right now is not the the area of concern when it comes to you know ag- his, his return the the part the problem with an achilles injury is that for it to heal you have to completely immobilize like the bot the leg and therefore the body like you can't do any sort of like walking or anything like that on it so when that happens all the other tendons and ligaments atrophy they all get weaker and you have to build up everything in that leg from the hip down to the knee down to the ankle and so that's really the injuries that they're worried about are these other joints where the the muscles and and ligaments may not be as strong as they once were um and then when he's putting the you know the regular torque and everything back on him the regular force um that that could present an issue now the other interesting part of this and what he described Soroka did to media is that he said like you know i could wait if i wanted to wait until i was a hundred percent like back to normal back to the way i was feeling before the injury that won't be like until october like that that's why the the achilles it's a it's a tough injury to come back from it takes a long time uh for that reason but to your point well you're saying like about kd and he even referenced kd when he was describing this he was like i don't need to be able to do that you know i can pitch 
he talked about you know the, the the motion the pitching motion is a team effort in terms of all of your joints and and, and body work that has to kind of go together um and so the 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 motion of pitching is not putting enough stress on the achilles that it's going to be an issue the issue is at what point does um the does the opportunity that you're the, the opportunity cost become greater than the risk like like at what point does holding him out actually harm you more than uh, the risk that it would be to, to bring him back in. So that's the kind of the balance that the Braves are dealing with. Um, but again, fortunate that it will probably be no later than mid-May that he, that he comes back. So um, very fortunate position that the Braves are in. And again, it will be very interesting to see how all of this stuff in the pitching rotation shakes out over the course of the year. Because one of the things we were talking about in the preview show yesterday was that this season is going to feel like the longest season of these players' <laughs> yeah. lives, coming off a 60-game season and then going 162. So for a long season like that, you're going to need all the bodies that you have on deck because players are probably going to get hurt or feel fatigued or things like that. And so it's great to have a guy like Bryce Wilson that you can call on uh, in the middle of a season or a Kyle Wright that you can call on in the middle of a season to come up and make some starts. What I'm curious about is how those players will deal with that situation where they come up in a like in a position where it's like, okay, I'm coming up to fill a gap for a few weeks, you know, and then and then I'll be back. Um, and it doesn't really feel like you have that opportunity to really stamp, you know, make your stamp on on the major league level. So it'll be very interesting to see how all this shakes out. I wonder how many starting pitchers the Braves will go through this year. I think in the 60 game season last year they went through like 16 starting pitchers or something like something crazy like that um but yeah i mean they will need more than five pitchers it's very easy for us to just kind of project like you know five pitchers that are going to be going every week right now um, of course they will need more than that but it's just going to be a very kind of dicey situation you just hope some some of these young guys right and wilson can kind of roll with the punches here and just kind of come up when their numbers called and and produce so look at the other guys in this rotation because it's one of those I feel like Joe you and I haven't spent and honestly don't really need to spend a whole lot of time talking about Max Freed just because he is a he's our warm blanket. Yeah, he is the <laughs> model of consistency. You know, yeah. he is he is old dependable guy that had an incredible 2020 season and I said yesterday I expect nothing but him to potentially get even better this year and in his growth and in him getting his respect of being this team's ace. Cause I think Andy asked you yesterday, even when Soroka comes back and is, you know, completely healthy, however you want to put that, uh, do you see he or Max Freed as your ace? And if I remember correctly, you said Max Freed. I said Freed. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, and I agree with you. However, uh, it's just it feels like we haven't discussed him a whole lot because yeah. of he, he looked great last year, looked great again this spring. And so then you start going down the line and it's like, OK, who's the next guy? Oh, yeah. Charlie Morton, who the Braves brought in on a free agent deal, was a former Brave years ago. I feel like I feel like there are there are kids watching baseball at this point who weren't alive when Charlie Morton was was last pitching for the Braves, which, you know, it's just one of those. I remember I, tailgating with friends in the parking lot before a, a Charlie Morton start. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's like, bring, it'd be like, <laughs> thing, it like brings back glory days of like high school. Well, I also, I, 
just thinking of the sentiment of like the fact of there are on honestly i mean there are i, I think of like uh nox bardeen who has a son who is like was he alive yeah when probably Charlie not Morton was <laughs> yeah. last pitching with the braves but now he can really watch baseball and, and have a love for the game i, I just i want to say that to charlie in like a press conference just see you know just get the wheels turning uh but charlie morton you, you want to talk about model of consistency 0.0 era this spring just like, no run just a perfect spring yeah no big, like, no big deal I, yeah well you talk about no big deal I feel like until I saw the stat on Instagram yesterday, that was when I was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) he has it this spring. You know, I mean, one from from not watching a ton of race this spring, but just mainly I feel like that's something that would have been talked about. And maybe maybe it was a little bit of the like having a no hitter going where you just don't discuss it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But after his his start yesterday against the Rays, in which the the Braves lost like sixteen to five, yeah, because of of Chad Sabatka and a couple like other a guys. Twelve run inning or something. Yeah, fell apart towards the end. But and, and that would cause you to overlook the fact that Charlie Morton continued to look great, continued to look all the bit worth the the free agent contract that he was given to be what I assume is the number two, and he is like the Braves have finally brought in a guy who's not only going to give the wisdom and coach up the other guys, but is actually going to play and Mm -hmm. potentially pitch very well. Something that we didn't get last year from a guy like Cole Hamels. Yeah. You know, what's interesting to me with, with Charlie Morton is uh, you asked Snit how he did. And he's like, Oh, it's phenomenal. Full of praise. When you ask Charlie Morton again, he hasn't given up a uh, earn run this spring. And he's just like, you know, "Eh, I could have done this. I need to do this. Well, he's he's like still nipping it, which I, you love to see. You don't want, yeah, it's good to see, a uh, guy who's a veteran like that still trying, you know, nitpicking his game. And when the reporters are like, man, that must have felt good out there. And he's like, yeah, well, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. I think that really shows that like his head is really in this. Um, I think that he's just the perfect signing from like every single angle you would have thought of. And he's again, I said this yesterday, he wasn't the guy that was really on my radar for the Braves as a free agent signing heading into this offseason. But uh, yeah, I mean, if he can stay healthy, that's like, you know, fingers crossed. But if he does, um, just really think he's going to be an invaluable piece. And, you know, he can be a piece that it'll it depends on how the Braves or, you know, let, let, let's assume just for this conversation's sake that the Braves make the playoffs. Um, who knows how they get there? But Charlie Morton would clearly be a big piece there. And the, what really excites me about this Braves team is that I really feel like now with the, especially with this starting rotation they would have coming into the playoffs where you've got Max Freed. Mike Soroka, Charlie Morton, and Ian Anderson. Like, that's the kind of starting rotation I feel like that can lead you through uh, to a World Series. Like, that's the that's a legit um, weapon for a team that's heading into a, po- into a postseason. And we all know, you know, we've seen it a million times. If you have a rotation like that that just um, gets hot and is just locking teams down, then that can you can just ride that. And I, that's what really gives me the, uh, a lot of confidence with the Braves. I know overall... I think people are kind of frustrated with this opening day roster. The fact that it's so lopsided, it does clearly have some holes and things like that. But I do think that this team is set up to adjust accordingly how they need to. We've seen Alex Anthopoulos do that in past seasons. In 2019, he went out and just recreated the bullpen at the trade deadline. And I think that this team is really set up to have that postseason run. You know, like if you look at teams that win the World Series, 
a lot of them aren't necessarily favored to, to win the World Series on opening day, uh, but they build themselves a roster that is capable of producing in those moments when it matters and in that format of the playoffs that's so different than the the regular season. I just think that the Braves are kind of set up to do well in the regular season, but they can also adjust and tinker things um, to really fine tune themselves to have that success in the postseason. Joe, another guy that I did want to go to that is a part of this rotation that I have, if there's ever a guy on this team that I've been excited about coming into this spring. It's and... Drew Smiley. <laughs> no, it is not Drew Smiley. <laughs> No, well, I'll, Not, I, have, I haven't convinced you yet, but one day, one day we'll get there. No, Sorry, go ahead. You have it. And well, too, but look, I'll, I'll get to Drew Smiley and that I made a claim yesterday that I think after I said it, I was like, was that too harsh? And I was like, no, no. Some like sometimes you just you make predictions, whether they come through or not. I'm going to stand by this one. And it's it's detrimental to the Braves. So that's not great, obviously. But I said yesterday that I was like, look, I don't know that Drew Smiley is going to be a part of this team when they get to the postseason. I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that he's going to be there by the end of the year. Uh, however, when you look at his spring numbers and we talked about this before we jumped on here, Drew Smiley is what I think had three starts and his second start was what was rough. I think he gave up five earned and got a lot of conversation a lot of and I was one who was like up oh, there you go there's a guy who I wasn't convinced when the Braves signed him and he's given up five and I think this is headed in the wrong direction however he fixed it in his next start and he will start uh what tomorrow I think and yet I have been so so in on Ian Anderson who is a young guy the Braves were waiting for so long to bring up finally did towards the end of last year. And he looked incredible, had a bit of a, uh, what a step back or whatever you may call it, had, had a bad start in the playoffs mm. uh, and, you know, was, a, was a, essentially a part of how the Braves fell apart against the Dodgers. But it seemed like he's just got so much potential and, and he's another one like Max Fried who, I was just super excited about because I thought this is a guy who can be a part of this rotation for a long time and make it one of the best rotations in all of baseball. However, I have been overlooking the fact that Ian Anderson outside of his first start has not had the greatest spring because he did pitch today two and two thirds innings against the Red Sox. He gave up four runs, including three home runs less than ideal in your last start before the season starts. And that's really interesting because the home runs were always something that he he was extraordinarily good at not giving up the home run ball yes. when he came, when he came, I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head how many he had and I don't have it pulled up, but uh, he did not give up many home runs last year. Um, and so, and it, it, part of that is because he was so good at keeping the ball down in the zone. Um, and he just didn't make those mistakes out over the plate and up. Uh, I, I do wonder if maybe some of those home runs are because he's trying to, maybe expand his repertoire and do a little bit more of that. And then he's just kind of, that's part of working out the kinks, but um, I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about Ian Anderson in the long run. Maybe he does get off to a slow start this season um, and gives up the long ball a little bit more than he was last year, but I'm still not that concerned about him. So he gave up a home run on March 13th. He gave up one on March 24th. 
so his last start and then today he gave up three so that's kind of like his his last three starts haven't been necessarily great he went he went four and a third gave up two he went six innings and gave up four runs and then today like i said went very short two and two thirds and gave up four runs including the three home runs i mean i'm i'm it's one of those seeing the numbers in front of my face is what got me to be like oh no like ooh. Uh, i was really really set on this guy being one of the brave staples and mm. not not saying that he can't because we are talking about spring numbers there's all kinds of different things that go into that it is just i thought i thought he was going to be right there next in line of you know it is just going to make this rotation that much better and and not be a liability and yet not the, not the greatest spring and so it is something to watch out for the, the good news the good news with him is he's a he's a level-headed guy he reminds me Absolutely. of max freed in the just like his his kind of demeanor um at least with the media and so that just gives me a little bit of hope or confidence that you know he's able to take all this stuff in stride and just kind of use it to help him refine his game um Maybe maybe Drew Smiley can help him, uh, you know, offset a little bit of the early Ian Anderson bump. So I want to actually go through Drew Smiley real quick. I want to go through his numbers. You know, I, I mentioned kind of brief, briefly yesterday on the show that his his the poor numbers that he's had in his career uh, have basically been down to uh, an injury that he ended up having to have Tommy John surgery on. So listen to this. And when he, when he first came up with the Tigers in 2012, he had a 399 ERA. Pretty good. Pretty good for uh, somebody who's just coming up. In 2013, 76 innings, he had a 237 ERA. In 2014, in 153 innings pitched, he had a 324 ERA. In 2015, he had a 311 ERA. And then 2016, 17, and 18 is where things started getting bad. He was a 488 ERA in 2016. Um, and then didn't even pitch until, again, until 2019. 2019, again, coming back from Tommy John. Even worse. That was his worst season yet. 114 innings in the 6.24 ERA. But last year with the Giants, I mean, only 26 innings pitched, but a 3.42 ERA and an ex-FIP of only 2.56, a FIP of 2.01 last year. He was phenomenal. Um, that's the numbers that that's the kind of the numbers that Alex Anthopoulos saw. I think that made him want to bring him in. And in fact, Alex Anthopoulos, when he signed him, he said that. They actually wanted him last year. They, they wanted him to be on that team last year, and he would have been a, a really great contributor for them considering how much they needed the starting pitching. Uh, but they weren't able to get a deal done. But he's clearly been a guy that they've been focused on. They like guys who are just coming off this Tommy John surgery. I think the Braves like guys who are coming off the Tommy John and then have a bad year because they know that the command and control doesn't quite come back until like a year following. Um, so hopefully that's what we see from Drew Smiley. I'm Again, I've talked about this. I'm like way more high on him than pretty much anybody else I know. Uh, and I'm now hoping to God that I'm right. Cause otherwise I'm going to have to <laughs> eat a lot of stuff. I don't like to eat. Yeah. Well, I, I think my issue with Drew Smiley was, it was the fact that the Braves are like when they signed him, I felt like that should have been a get a steal on a guy. I felt like they overpaid for him. You know, that yeah. was, and yeah. you, you that was talk about, yeah, you talk about catching a guy right at the right time after having an injury and maybe looking bad, but them doing some 
some baseball projections on him and thinking he can have an uptick, but it was like, no, no, no. It seems like you paid him for the uptick that he hasn't had yet. And that's why I, I think there was a moment go, coming into spring where I was like, I don't even know if he's going to, well, I, do, I think you're right. This team. I think you're right that there was like a little bit of a gamble. It was like prospecting where it's like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to pay up for him. And we hope that he hits our numbers that we're projecting for him. If he does that, then this is going to pay off. But obviously, you know, not everything's certain. Yeah. Now, before we do get out of here, there is one guy that I want to talk about just because out of all of the names of, of relievers that we went through of guys who we thought were going to make this Braves team, I can tell you for sure, Joe, Neither you nor I were talking about Nate Jones. Who? Exactly. (laughs) Nate Jones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nate Jones, 35 years old. That was, I think that was what I caught you off guard when we were, (laughs) we were talking about him is, is you hear a guy who you've never heard before and you're thinking, Oh, must be some young prospect kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That, that decided to work, you know, like, worked out or whatever no 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 no. nate jones has been around the block (laughs) a minute started off his career with the white Sox organization was traded to the reds and then was was ultimately not picked up and i think was released in spring and then the braves signed him put him down in gwinnett and instead liked enough of his stuff that they decided to make him a part of this Braves opening day roster. And he's going to be a part of this team, at least for a little bit. I'm just so lost at, I mean, his numbers look good, Joe. Yeah, they do. But but what? (laughs) I know. It's kind of funny because uh, Carl Edwards Jr. was kind of the guy that we all thought was going to get the Nate Jones spot, where it's like a guy who's at least has a, a much more proven track record in the past. Um, But when I, when I look at it, you know, Carl Edwards Jr., his thing was, he was walking guys a lot. And that is something that drives Snit absolutely crazy, especially, especially when it's coming from a reliever. You just do not want relievers coming in and putting guys on base. And Nate Jones has not done that. I think in his last outing, he went inning and did walk a guy. But before that, he had pitched six and a third innings and without a walk and only gave up two hits in that stretch. I mean, the guy's command has just been absolutely on point this this spring. And some sometimes when when that happens, it's like you didn't think it was going to go this way, but what are you going to do? Let it, let him go to some other team and pitch like that. You know, it's like, you, you can't, you got to You got to take a guy who's in that kind of form. And, and it, as an older player, it's like, you can ride with Nate Jones until he shows you otherwise. And then you can, you know, part ways. But uh, for now, you know, kudos to him. Yeah. Fair enough. It's just seemed like one of the most uh, random signings. Very random. <laughs> that, that the Braves have made where he, it seemed like we could, we could predict some things and sure be surprised by you know certain guys making the team or whatever, but I can certainly tell you Nate Jones was not on our radio our radar as a guy that we thought was gonna be a part of this team. Let I'm interested to see Nate Jones is on the roster, Johan Camargo's not, just like we all yeah. thought. I, and and it's perfect to bring up Johan Camargo as as you know, we kind of wrap this this thing up is he's a guy who I said yesterday, we, we were talking about Braves Wall Street, you know, guys whose whose stocks are rising and falling. And I said, is Johan Camargo a penny stock yet? <laughs> because I think there's just so little confidence in him to be anything other than a guy who's going to clearly spend some time down in Gwinnett. Yeah, I mean, it's clear at this point, the outlier in his career was the 2018 season. And 
everything else has been average at best. And the thing with Johan Camargo is you, you kind of need him to at least be solid with the glove. And he hasn't really proven to be that. Like he really needed to prove that he was a better def- defensive player than uh, Harry Adrianza. And he wasn't, he didn't prove to be that guy. And so if you're not the, if you're not the better infield glove and Adrianza is also hitting better than you. Um, yeah. There's, there's just not, there's not a place. And so I don't really have a lot of hope that Johan Camargo is going to all of a sudden, like find himself and, and come back. Maybe he does, but, I think right now, as sad as it is to say, because you don't like to, you know, trash a player, or kind of, you know, do that kind of thing. But I just feel like we we know what Yohan Camargo is at this point, and there are better options. Yeah. All right, Joe. Braves baseball is two days away. They get the season started against the Phillies on the road. Anything you, you want to add before we get out of here? Oh, I just cannot wait. I cannot wait for that game. Cannot wait for the season. Can't wait for when we talk next week to have actual baseball to talk about. It's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Max Freed gets the opening day start for, for what, a 3.30 first pitch, I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. But we're excited to, once we are here a week from today, we will be talking about real live action from Braves baseball and start getting – you know, I'm sure start making early predictions already a couple of games in of what we can expect from the Braves this year as they they start out against an NL East opponent who is at least going to be in talks to be, you know, towards the top of the NL East that that should be rather competitive, at least we hope this season. Uh, but thank you for everybody for watching on Facebook Live. Thank you if you're going to be listening to this later on in podcast form. For Joe Patrick, I'm Caleb Johnson. Have a great day. This is Batter Up. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.